Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of the Three Things Podcast. Super excited to have on recurring guest Rob Aguero Hoffman, a buddy of mine who owns a gym, Lift Positive Fitness, out in the Beverly, Massachusetts area. Rob and I always have amazing conversations. We've talked about everything uh, from gym ownership to training to balancing the two. Rob has been on, I believe this is the third time now, so definitely go back and check out Rob's previous episodes um, after you listen to this one for sure. Listen to this one first then go back. We love your clicks. We love your downloads. Thank you in advance. Um, But without much further ado, I will uh, let the intro music take over here and you will see Rob Aguero Hoffman on the other side. This is a super special pod because you're the only person who's ever been the host. That wasn't me. Um, Rob Aguero Hoffman <laughs> is back for That's round right. four. I think this is Three. round four. No, Three. I thought Three. you and I did. We did two, and then you ho- you like guest hosted me. No, we did one. Then I guest hosted you, and really? then we were gonna do another one. Yeah, we were gonna do I another know. one. Okay, recently, so it should it, this should good. be four. But I remember now. I, I definitely never got back to you on setting up round three. Um, better it's all right. than never. Um, Rob Aguero Hoffman is back. If you have missed the first two pods that him and I have done, um, listen to this one, but then definitely go back and listen to, to, to those. Cause they're great. Um, Rob, break it down for me. Give a little listeners a little bit about you, who you are, what you do, where you do it and why, and then we're going to jam from there. All right, man. Uh, so I am Rob Aguero Hoffman. I own a, uh, semi-private, like a small group, uh, personal training studio in Beverly, Mass., which is about 30 minutes north of Boston. Um, I opened it up a little over a year ago now after being a coach for now 17 years. Um, so I started, I got certified in college, kind of started working as a trainer, uh, coaching a little bit, and then just kind of went from there. Um, let's see why I do it, man. Um, <laughs> a couple of reasons. I mean, I love what I do. It's probably one of the few things I've been good at my whole life. Um, and it's probably one of the only things that I've done as far as a career goes that, you know, has lot, la- I, I mean, that I've really done, like, I haven't tried anything else other than, you know, and than this, this has always sort of been the focus for me. So yeah, man. Nice. I mean, people should go back and just listen to the other pods. Cause we're going to kind of probably pick up where we left off. Um, for those that are maybe tuning in because you have a lot of time on your hands, this is pod number three of the Corona closures. I got to get these things edited up and put up. Um, but if you're joining in to get any of our perspectives on small businesses and fitness industry during Corona, you should just stop now. Cause that's not what we're talking about. Um, if you want to sit here and listen to an authentic candid conversation about fitness and training people and, and taking the next step in your career or, or what you're learning to do, um, then yeah, you should, you should probably just keep listening. Um, the three thing comes from what I do. I ask Rob three things. I have nothing written down. Normally I have questions written down, but I've got nothing written down today. So Rob and I are just going to riff um, and talk about some different topics. Uh, and yeah, we're going to go from there at the end. We'll probably put together a pretty degenerate speed round. I'll let you guys know when that's coming on, but the three things comes from the three questions that I'm about to ask Rob and Rob, are you ready for the first thing? Always, brother, always. So I want to talk to you not so much about system development, but more so like tracking and creating the system. I think, and this is something I, I talk to trainers a lot about, whether it be, um, you know, our Parisi Speed School, 
um, or if it's on the health club side of things with gen pop, like at some point, like a trainer comes in, you get your baseline certification, you have your baseline education, whether it's, um, your bachelor's degree, or maybe you did an internship and you kind of have those initial systems. And then you start to create your own little tweaks within those systems. Or maybe you've started to just train people long enough. You kind of have quote unquote, like the way you like to do it. You've seen some results, good, bad, and different, whatever it might be. How did you, like, where did you start? Like you obviously went from trainer to now gym owner, and I'm sure you had to record those systems. Like, where did you start with all of that? Like, talk to me about that process of system like recognition and system, like just putting it down on paper. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll say, I mean, I've, like I said, I've been doing this for a pretty long time now. Um, and I've been doing it well for less than that. Um, let's just say that. So, I, I mean, when I first started as a, as a personal trainer in college, I also got to work a little bit with like some of the strength and conditioning coaches and stuff like that. And, and whenever I did anything with them, it was follow what they wrote down. Right. So there wasn't a whole lot to that. When I um, started training other people, I started like the first thing I did is probably the biggest mistake that everybody makes as a trainer, which is you train everybody else the way that you train yourself. Um, and often we're not even that good at training ourselves at that time. Like if you're a fitness enthusiast, you come in and you've got the bro splits that you're doing and, you know, and you're trying to train, you know, the 50 year old, you know, Wall Street worker or whoever the same way who's never lifted a weight before in his life. I mean, and, and truth be told, you probably could get even a little bit more out of a different type of training program, but then you start taking them through that. Um, and I quickly realized that that wasn't working for them. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think that I first started changing the way that I trained people um, when a core group of me and my friends started following other coaches um that we were well so we were sorry i should say we were working in a commercial gym and we started kind of falling into following other coaches a lot of them local to us in the boston area we're lucky that we have like kind of a hotbed of strength coaches you know mike boyle eric cressy tony obviously gentle core who was over at csp um you know and and kind of fell into that and sort of discovered a different way to kind of train people now again they worked with a lot more athletes than Papa, they still did. Uh, but that gave us a, I think they gave all of us a better idea of, and better insight of how we can serve our, our people better. And then from there, it was sort of like, you know, um, well, from there, I mean, I'd say like maybe five or six years ago, I really started putting this shit to paper more and kind of tweaking how I do it. Um, at first it was just writing down like what I find the common structure of my workouts is for people that I see one time a week, two times a week, three times a week. And then thinking back on it, like, okay, well, how have these people's training programs evolved over time? Right? Like I've been working with them for a year. And at one point it was literally, okay, I've got an idea of what I want to do with them for the next three months. You know, but after that, I don't know when they had long-term goals. So then I started doing the whole thing of kind of reverse engineering my programs, right? Where, Somebody comes to me and says, I want to lose 35 pounds, you know, by the end of next year. All right, well, we've got to figure out sort of like, what are the steps that need to happen in order to get you there? So if I start at one year from now and you've lost 35 pounds, what needs to happen 11 months from then and then 10 months from then and so on and so forth and kind of taking a bigger look at what needs to happen from where they are um, and then putting that to paper. And then eventually it kind of became you know, I mean, most of the population I see are, are very, very similar. So it ended up becoming like a template 
of how I end up training people. So now it's like my system, as far as my training programming is set up in almost like a yearly way um, where I'm, I don't want to say I'm like plug and play with the exercises, but I'm picking the exercises based on their ability. Um, but the system, the structure of those workouts is already in place. So I'm not spending hours writing a training program for everybody. You know, I already know what's going to go in there. It's just a matter of, okay, can this person do, you know, single leg exercises? Yes or no. Awesome. If so, you know, what position is going to be the best position for them to be in for this? Perfect. And then that goes in on that day um, or that part of the workout where single leg stuff is required and so on and so forth. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're creating a framework. Like exactly not necessarily like a cookie cutter program of like, do these no. exercises sets and reps are already here. You have a framework yeah. laid out. So when someone comes in, you're basically figuring out where point a is and filling in the line that gets them to exactly. point B. Exactly. So, I mean, the way I would look at it is look, everybody that I work with is going to go through your basic movement patterns throughout the week of your training program, right? Throughout the training week. Um, so whether that's hinging, squatting, pushing, pulling, you know, single arm pulling, single leg, squat variations, etc. Um, and then structuring the variation of that exercise that fits best for where they are, you know. Um, so everything is individualized, but there's a system in place based on what I've seen work. So I'm not doing everything from scratch every single time. Cause I feel like that's just fucking guesswork at that point too. Excuse my language, but no, like, no, this is fuck shit balls. No, this is fine. That's right. I forget. We can curse on no, this. You one. Can Sorry, curse man. Other ones I try to keep it a little cleaner. Yeah. 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 No. no. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's fucking guesswork at that point too. Um, just like, you know, I, I love that you reposted this from a couple, a couple of years ago, but you know, the idea of the person that writes up a training program, quote unquote, right before, like they have a session with somebody five minutes before, like that's not a training program. That's just a to-do list. Like, that's you giving them like the honey-do list of what you're going to do at work, like for that workout for an hour and then having no plan that goes beyond that too. And that's, you know, they're paying you for more than that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something like I always talk to trainers about and I'm like, well, you know, like we hired, like I work in a commercial gym. We hire a trainer. Trainer comes in, like we have some training systems set, set up for them, you know, whether it be um, client acquisition, we have a system set up for that. And then client initial consultation, we have a system set up for that. And we have some general information that we like to gather because we're in a multifaceted health club that these people can go from us to wellness coaching, from us to nutrition coaching, from us to physical therapy, they kind of all in one place. So a lot of that data collection helps with different aspects of what is available to the client. But a lot of the training, like, like I, I'm very adamant, like I never want to kind of tell a trainer like this is this is how you train. Like you train how you want to train people. Here's a framework I think you should follow and, and why we follow this. But if you wanted people to do a more of a West side conjugate method style of training, you, I mean, that's, that's a framework. You know, if you wanted to follow yeah. the MBSC CFSC, that's a framework. Um, as my dog, hears someone at my house. I heard Addy. No, oh, no, I I agree with UPS you. 100%. Driver, so she's I think to terrify a UPS driver right now. <laughs> Dude, my nothing like seeing a seventy-five pound German Shepherd through the window just staring at you. <laughs> um, but that framework a heart is super valuable for people, and I think that starts system creation. You know, like getting like yeah. just, like getting it down on paper, and then starting to edit like the one time, two time, three times a week what that looks like. Trainers have got to do that, and if yeah. trainers aren't doing that, then I, I mean, you're kind of, you're just spending probably a lot of time doing things that you could be doing in less time more efficiently. 
Well, and I think there's a couple things that happen that screw people up with this in the beginning of their careers. Um, when you're a new trainer, one, I think when you get, I mean, I think we can all agree that like the certification process for becoming a trainer um, is a pretty low barrier of entry. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not, I don't know if I believe in the idea that everybody should have a college degree to be able to do this and blah, 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 blah. Um, but I do think that like, it's a, it's a pretty low barrier for entry. Like, anybody can kind of do it. And there's so many different, you know, certification boards out there, et cetera. The one thing that none of them do a very, my experience is talking about actual programming. And so as a result, you get people who know their way around the gym because they've worked out a lot in their own, on their own. Um, maybe they, they learned a little bit more about anatomy through the, um, through their, 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 you know, the book, the textbooks that they get before they take their tests, et cetera. But there's no, uh, there's no talk of designing and they get, they find out about, you know, fucking, you know, liability shit. That's a big thing that they cover, but there's no talk really about actual structured, like training programs um, and figuring that out. And that's, I think that that's part of it. And then, you know, the opposite end of it is you, as a, as a personal trainer, you know, you, you kind of think of that like personal part of it or the individualized aspect of it and take it too far where it's literally like I, everything I do, once you start actually writing it to paper, everything I have, I do has to be different for this person than it is for all of my other clients because it's individualized. And I don't know that like, you know what I mean? Like there's plenty of people that need to goblet squat, <laughs> like, you know, Mary can goblet squat and so can Joe and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I think sometimes we go too far down the rabbit hole of that, almost looking for like uniqueness and variation when we don't need to with people um, because there are a lot of similarities for folks. And at the end of the day, like 90% of people just need to move, man, more than anything else. You know what I mean? Like we all run into the same thing when we see people for assessments, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I think like we find, I find that most of my stuff kind of follows a concurrent training style, right? But my own personal train, like my own training for me doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, or it, not right now, at least like not when I'm getting ready to do maybe a powerlifting meet or something like that. Like I go a different direction and that's okay too. But I think when you're talking about the average client base that you work with, you should, you should know who they are. And so as a result, like you said, you build a general framework around who that target audience is that you work with. Now, what would be your recommendation for, and I, I want to pick on a point you just, you just brought up there. What would be, and cause you spend time in a commercial gym setting and you've got obviously now in like more of a by appointments, like studio gym that you've got, what, what would be your advice to someone at any point in their career, whether they're a fitness enthusiast looking to make the jump into fitness. Um, if you're a fitness trainer of, I mean, probably five years or under, but, or if you're just getting started, like differentiating between how you like to train and then what's probably a better fit for that person, because that's like probably seven out of 10 times the conversation I'm having with people, interns, et cetera, where they fall into what they're comfortable with. And if that's their style of training, like maybe it could be applied to the 65 year old retiree, but what, what would you tell that person as far as differentiating how they like to train versus training the person that's in front of them? Well, if, I mean, all right. So I, I had, it's funny cause I had this conversation with somebody, uh, one of my interns who's right now he's gone on. He's, he's been crushing it too, which is awesome to see him working at his, at his new gym. But, um, when he first came in, like he had, he was like, I want to, you know, I want to launch my own website. You know, I'm really into bodybuilding stuff and this or that. 
and you know he was in great shape but not built like your traditional kind of bodybuilder sort of like every other like guy that comes into the gym that wants to work out and my thought my, my suggestion to him or, or the thing that I talked to him about was exactly that like okay if you're going to write up a training program for somebody and you're focusing on bodybuilding right well you're going to have to look like a really fucking impressive bodybuilder for other guys that are going to want it to follow a bodybuilding template, you know what I mean? Or, or girls or whatever. Um, so I think, again, you might be better off serving, you know, the, the, the folks that are, you're going to train or the ones that you, you know, like I said, you want to make a little bit of money off of and be able to have a sustainable career. And are you going to train that 50 year old person the same way that, you know, and put them through the same paces that, um, you're putting yourself through? And the answer is probably no. You know what I mean? Like, Um, and that's probably not the best thing for them, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, that guy that's going to come and see you two or three times a week, who's got high blood pressure and needs to lose 40 pounds and, you know, get off his meds. Um, are they going to benefit from an arm and shoulder day or are they going to benefit from moving around, getting stronger and doing (laughs) shit to lose weight? Right? Like what's the thing that, cause what's their goal? Their goal is not to look like a bodybuilder 90% of the time. So why train them that way? right? Like it doesn't make a lot of sense. And then maybe that's, maybe that's more to the point of like, it's important to have a really good thorough assessment and understanding. You know, like we talked about, I have a framework for how I train most of the people that come in here, but I'll get occasionally people that are outside that box different with. Um, It's rare, but I've had a couple of them, you know, and, uh, and those people I'll train differently. But again, if you're going through your assessment with them, you're having the right conversations, you really find out what their wants are. Um, and it's not, you know, how you normally train or, or their goals are not your goals, then it's important not to work that, you know, to train them that same way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super valuable. And it's, it's like the first, like if we could, and maybe we'll do this in the speed round, but like, it's like the first aha moments you have when you enter the industry. One is, holy shit, I do a lot of work and I don't get paid. What the fuck? Two, it's like, I probably need to be more chameleon like in how I train people because like I still have people who come to me and they're like, listen, man, when I put my jeans on, I don't want to feel anything coming over the top. When I put on my tank top, I don't want to see anything coming out the sides. Like just do that. That's what I want. That's my goal. And then like the third one is like, like, holy shit, I need to be pretty smart in a lot of different areas so that I can actually like have conversations and network and do these different things or not sound like a fucking idiot when I'm telling someone like nutritional habits and stuff like that. And you kind of have to like learn to be the jack of all trades and be the master of like 80% of those trades to some extent, if you want some longevity in this industry. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, I'd say I think, that that, I think that in the beginning, for sure. Um, it's okay to have your niche, right? Like that's totally fine, but you should have a basic knowledge of most things, training and athletic, you know what I mean? And then from there, if you like, look, if you're the bodybuilding coach and, or the, the powerlifting coach or whatever, and those are the people that are coming to you and those are the people you want to train and you've got credibility with them, fucking go for it, man, by all means. Um, but that's, you know, like I said, that's, that's a small group too. So realize that as well. Yeah. Okay. The third thing, and I asked this, this is a repeat question. So I'm, I'm almost ashamed, but I thought it was a really good question. I asked this to Tony Bonvecchio two nights ago. Uh, one of the co-owners. Well, now of- I feel like I'm like legit. If you're giving me the same question you gave Tony, I feel, Dude, Tony I feel solid about like, that. Well, I'll tell you what I posted. So I was a rock star, man. Like three nights ago, I was like, or three after three days ago, I was like, Hey, got a lot of downtime. Who's up to just 
crush some three things podcasts. And I had like, I mean, I basically every night for the next like 12 days, I have different podcasts. I got three today. You're number one. This is like, this is just bringing me so much joy. And there will be some repeat questions is what I'm getting at. Sorry. But- and anybody listening, if you're looking for a podcast guest, shameless plug for myself here right now because i'm gonna be i'm gonna be like like i said besides doing everything for my clients and stuff like that i'm gonna have downtime too so uh so the question i asked him and i'd be really interesting to see what what your answer is if you go the same way or etc um making the jump from trainer to gym owner but you still being on the floor as the trainer and the gym owner Talk to me about that psyche, like when a client comes in and you have to do whether something that's the best move for the trainer to client and something that's the best move from client to gym owner. Talk to me about how you balance that. I'm not sure I completely understand the question. Um, How do you differentiate being the gym owner and being the head trainer? Gotcha. When a client comes in. Um. I mean, I, I, I don't know that I do per se, right? Like, um, I mean, I, I'm, I am both, <clears throat> you know, I need to handle both things. Um, but I think I approach every client sort of in, with the same mentality. So, um, and, I, and that's sort of the, the core principle. And, and you've probably heard, people who are listening have probably heard other people in strength faction say the same thing, but it's that idea of unconditional positive regard. So somebody comes to me, with a problem, whether it's, hey, you know, the cost of the membership is catching up to me. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm <clears throat> got no. the rona. Dude, I saw the funniest meme ever. It was like these two dudes, you know, one guy holding up a paper and the other guy with this shocked face and says, HR explaining to me why I can't yell every time somebody sneezes that this motherfucker's got the rona. Like, Dude, I like. I gotta send it to you. It doesn't translate well via this, but man, it's not good. Funny, like the, the meme culture has ruined everything. And that oh god, it's yeah. Oh. It's like I mean, somebody sneezes now though, and it's like a gunshot went off. Yeah, you know? yeah. But um, sorry, so it got derailed there. So like again, I don't know that I differentiate the two things because I always want to try to do the do best by my members, um, even as a gym owner, um, and I find that you know. People, but I don't know, maybe it's the people that I attract here. Maybe it's the culture that we have in this gym, but I'm never, ever worried about somebody like abusing, you know, the fact that I'm super, you know, chill or whatever. So somebody comes to me, for example, maybe this is what you were asking them. I'm like I said, I was a little confused and not hundred percent sure. But let's take say it however you want. Says, so let's say somebody comes to me and says, Hey, you know what? Like I'm, I've hit this like, you know, spot. Maybe I lost my job. Maybe everything that's going on right now has got me from being able to do stuff. Um, my first thought is how do I make this, how can I work this out for you so that you can have this place safe, you know? Um, so in the past I've had members who've lost their job while we were training. Um, they're like, look, I think I have to cancel my membership. And rather than that, it's like, let's figure something else out, you know? Um, keep training. I'm not worried about the money part of it right now because there will be a way that that comes back to me. Um, but the first thing is getting you going here and then reevaluating that, you know, over time. Um, but I don't want, you know, I never want it to be something where like people think that I'm only in this, you know, from the business perspective of it to collect dues, you know what I mean? Um, it's, uh, you know, I'm their coach 
right now I'm their coach first. You know, eventually we'll get to the, I'll get to the point where I've got other coaches on the floor and I'm doing mostly the business operations. Um, but, you know, even still, the idea again is, is, you know, being there for them um, more than anything else. Does that make sense? Does that, does that answer yeah. what you were asking? No, it totally does. I mean, with any question, you know, like, I think what's important to understand, like when you're a trainer and you you have aspirations of owning a gym, which I think every trainer, whether you want to or not, every trainer will have those thoughts of, man, I should just own, open my own gym. Like that's the top for me. But I think what people forget is when you're the owner and you have to make decisions on a business level, it's not as easy as when you're a trainer and someone's like, Hey, I'm going on, I'm a snowbird and I'm going to Florida for two months right now in January and February, but I want my training. And you're like, well, that costs you money. But if you're a train, if, if you're the business owner, but if you're the trainer, you're like, well, you'll be back. You know, like here's some, a home program you can do for two months while you're in Florida. And then I'll see you when saying, you're yeah. back in March. And I think that like for the trainer, it's pretty easy. You just kind of give them a program, you keep in touch, et cetera from a business owner, you're like, well, no, that's a revenue stream that I need to, that, that I manage and that I need for yeah. my business. Like you just have more on your plate when you're a business owner than when you're yeah. a trainer. I mean, yes, you have clients and that's your business, et cetera. But yeah. when you're a trainer, you're probably not responsible for the financial burden that an owner is. And when a person yes. comes in and, and that's revenue, that's a referral system. That's a lot of different things to the business that people just see as a client. Like it can be a different point of view. And I don't think a lot of trainers really appreciate that no, shifted mindset. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think, um, and part of that though, as the gym owner and the coach, um, you know, again, I want to always do right by my people. Um, so if I know they're coming back, like I don't have a problem either setting them up with some sort of remote training program. Now there might be some kind of financial, excuse me, some, some sort of financial commitment to them. Let's say they're going away. What's that? I just whispered Corona. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was a burp, man. That was that energy drink that I'm crushing right now. This thing is tasty too. I just kicked beer. Um, so if I'm, and I'm looking forward to a lot of beers this afternoon. Yeah, you're going to have a great time, man. Um. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think again, I don't have a problem doing that. There might be some financial commitment involved in that. Uh, but the idea isn't to break the bank for them if they want to keep training. That being said, I think the other thing as a business owner, and this was, I was lucky to have this kind of beaten into my head before I opened and then really, really like reinforced by, you know, a lot of, a lot of other business owners that you constantly have to be marketing, even right now when there's nothing going on, keep marketing, you know, stay in front of people in, in the front of people's heads, um, in their forethought, their, their, I don't know what the hell the term is. I'm like getting no, tongue tied forefront no. of their mind. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. But anyway, so that like, you know, when this all dies down, they come to you or, you know, that as these people are kind of putting on hold or going away for the summer or even leaving, cause there's no, you know, there's two guarantees in, in this business basically that like, you know, you got rent due every month and people are going to leave the gym. Like members are not, not every member is going to stay forever. Like you're going to have attrition. And so you need to constantly be trying to build, build, build. Um, and if you're doing that, it doesn't, while it hurts when people go away or go on hold. And I've, I've had that, man. Um, it doesn't hurt as bad if you're constantly still building and still have leads coming into the gym. Um, and that doesn't put you in a spot where you're like, shit, I really need to like, 
find a way to, to not have this person freeze their membership for whatever, you know, or, um, or man, that really hurt that that person just lost their job and then they had to cancel their membership and I'm screwed. You know what I mean? Like it's cause that way you don't have to think about it as a thing for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can, again, you can look more at like what's going on for them and how you can best support them. Yeah. It's good insight. Um, so this is the part of the podcast where I actually start to enjoy what we do. It's the speed round. If you want to just, Thanks. I mean, if you, if you're at this point and you're like, do I really want to listen to speed round? You've already clicked play and you've already downloaded. So you've done your part and I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, but the speed round is the best, but thanks for saying that you didn't enjoy is, the where, like, you can see the real Rob and the real Casey, because like, cool. You just maybe learn a little bit about gym ownership and systems and, and that's totally fine. Um, but the speed round is where it gets a lot of fun. So these are just this kind of where, like off the riff, different things, um, that, you know, answers can be as long or short as you'd like, Rob, you're no stranger to the speed round. Um, let's do it. So my first question is, what are, what are your favorite things that are only said in the gym or only done in the gym? You know what I mean? Like the bro things that happen in the gym, I'll give you mine. If you need like a good example, it's like right. when you're spotting someone and you're like, you're like, Hey bro, like how many reps are you going for? And they're like, Oh, you know, like eight. And they have like three fifteen on the bench and you're like, bullshit, you're going for eight. After two, they, you like, you're pulling the bar off of them and they're like, Oh man. Like, I just I should have, shouldn't have drank so much last night. Or they say some like whack ass <laughs> shit to try to yeah, like that was, that's what it was. Why, why they sucked ass and like what was probably like a max effort for them. Um, oh man, like, like that. Like that's probably like one of my favorite things is like people trying to justify shitty lifts in the gym. Um, what's yours? Fuck, that's a really good one, man. I mean, right? that's that's right. Probably one of my favorite things. Um, there's that. Uh, and fuck, man, like, the, I'll, I'll give you, I won't say anybody's names because, well, one, I don't remember the fucking guy's name, but two, there was a dude that used to work out at the, one of the commercial gyms I was in. And this, this has happened at many commercial gyms. Um, but there's the guy that is always trying to show how hard he's working out, um, and, and is in the gym for three hours, you know, but at the end of the day, he's done like fucking three exercises and two sets in each one, but he's there socializing the whole time. And then we'll be like, yo, I just worked out for three hours. We're like, motherfucker, like you did 15 minutes of total work. Uh, this one dude did that. Like, I remember when I was a trainer at one of the gyms, he came up to me and was like, dude, I feel like you like, you don't work out nearly as much as I do. I'm like, you're here for three hours. You've been chatting with me for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> So for 15 minutes, you know what I mean? Like I got my shit done. Um, but that, I mean, like I said, that's something that happens at every fucking gym. There's that, that person that's there for two, three hours and they, uh, they're not fucking doing anything half the time. The, that and the other one that I love um, in the commercial gym was the person who sets the, the uh, elliptical to zero and just fucking cranks on it for 30 minutes at zero. And like, it looks like they're just along for the ride. The thing's just going like unbelievably. That's when I really enjoyed watching for a I long, can't wait long to ask this question to KCAL. I can't wait. Oh, she, she probably sees it even more than we do. Now, gonna right? like, uh, yeah, that's, next that's up there. Here's the next thing. What's the one thing you bought for your gym that's just collecting dust? Or you bought and you're like, fuck, I never use this. Yeah, look around. Look around. I'm looking right now. There's a couple things that have not been used much in this gym. Let's and what is it? Um, and most of them are things that 
I'm the only one that used. Oh, obviously. You so, totally, like, so, now, so I was going to phrase the question, what did you buy for your gym that you're only the one using? Well, that was okay. So or that was just for yourself, it. but I'll, I figured I'd shame you a little more and be like, what did you buy that isn't getting used at all? So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say, also, we're going to plug the first podcast because Casey asked me a question about this or similar to this as what was the one thing you wanted to buy for the gym for yourself that you didn't end up buying? Um, so this there were, and there were a couple answers there, but I'd say the two things that really get very little use are, you know, the, the dumbbells that go from anywhere from about 80 pounds up right now, we've got 80 to hundred. And I don't know, like, honestly, the only people I have even playing with the 65 pound dumbbells are people that are doing goblet squats with them. And that's when the sa the safety bar is not available, you know? So there's that. And we have a glute ham raise and I'm probably the only person that uses the glute ham raise to do glute ham raises. Um, a couple people will do like, re you know, a modified reverse hyper on that thing. Um, but like I said, it's pretty much me doing glute ham raises and that's about it. Um, I love that fucking machine. I'm still happy I bought it, but I'm the only one that's using it really. Lawn, that's a $700 lawn ornament, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got the cheapo Titan one. So, you know, I actually, at one point I was like, oh, I'll get a nice elite FTS one too, or, or, you know, Soren X one at some point. Cause like, you know, eventually people will get there and then I'm like, who am I kidding? My population, like, you yeah. know, if they can do one, they're going to blow out a hamster. Yeah. Know? You know, like when you train so. and I mean, as a 30 year old, like I kind of probably train like this population, but when you train like 50 plus year olds, like less is more. And all mm -hmm. you really need is probably like a really good set of kettlebells. Like that's, yeah. Really I mean, I, no lie. Like, you know, it's funny. And it, here, so this is, I know this is the Corona free podcast, but I will say that one thing that's happening right now is people are really realizing how little equipment that a lot of our population actually needs. Yep. And like, yo, if you've got, if you've got a med ball, a kettlebell or two, some resistance bands, like some super bands, you're golden. If you want to throw a TRX in there or something like that, even like you can, you know, you can train almost anybody with that equipment. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, if they're, they're trying to get stronger, you need progressively heavier shit, but if you're just trying to give them the training stimulus, like that's okay. So yeah. if you're opening up your own gym, I would, I would do exactly that. I'd get, I'd get a couple sets of kettlebells, couple sets of med balls, bunch of bands, some foam rollers, and maybe some sandbags. Cause I love using the sandbags for coaching tools and like, after that, everything else is bonus, really. Nice. Question for you. You can't say strength faction, so that's not an option. What is yeah, the yeah. best continuing education that you've done for either business, professionally, or like in gym ownership? You know what I mean? Like personal, um, professional, yeah. or like business. Like what is it? You well, for business, say strength faction. Yeah, I was going to say besides strength faction, for business, um, I did Vince Gabriel's six-week surge program. And that was fucking great. That helped me with marketing and understanding marketing so, so much. I um, uh, got my precision nutrition coaching certification, which, um, you know, I mean, I think like they're, they're probably the gold standard as far as like nutrition coaching stuff goes for general coach, uh, trainers. But the one thing that they do a really good job is, of is also diving into like coaching itself. And, and the mentality that you need to have when working with patient, with, with uh, clients. Um, and then just tons of fucking audiobooks, man. 
What's uh what's like the last like really good book that you've you've listened to or read? Like really good. Not like, oh, this one was good, like impactful. No, like you might actually yeah, listen to I it think, again. So there well, there's been a couple that I really like, but the last one that I did was Dan and Chip Heath's The Power Moments. That book was fucking great and it gave me a lot of ideas for what I wanted to do with the gym. But also more importantly, like it really helped me um understand how to take my service for members to a, like another level. Um, and how to provide a lot of value for folks. And that's the power of moments. Yeah, that book is that book is phenomenal. That's one of the few books I recommend to every single person. Wow. Regardless of regardless of what they do, like you know, um, my wife's a nurse. She she listened to a little bit of that audio book when I we were in a car going somewhere, and I asked her if I could put it on, and she was like, "This is amazing," you know. And then she went and listened to it too. So. Are you downloading it right now, Casey? Yeah, so I, uh, I have the Libby app. Shout out to the Richmond Library. Um, oh, nice. It allows me to rent audiobooks for free. So if yeah. anyone's like not looking to pay for that Audible uh, membership or if you're like not looking to just buy the book in iTunes, check out Libby or Overdrive. Those are the two apps that sync to your local library that is for free to join, most likely. Um, yeah. And The other one, I'm going to throw another book in there if that's all right. Yeah, so for the it. Power Moments – Right before I finished the power, started the power moments, there was a book called tribe by Sebastian younger. And it's not really about business or anything like that. Um, but it is about like human connection. Um, so basically it's, it's, you know, a lot of, about people coming back from war with PTSD, et cetera. But, uh, um, it's really applicable right now, but it, 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 uh, like I said, that's another one that really influenced a lot of how I create the culture that we have in this gym too. Awesome. Um, those are the, those would be the two and they're, and I mean, anything that Sebastian Younger does, you'll fly through too. Yeah. Um, he's amazing. So what is, um, what's you and Liz's go-to takeout right now? Dude, you know, it's tricky, man. We don't do a whole lot of takeout right now only because about like to. after, but about it. Yeah, I know. Right. But about a year and a half ago, like I got diagnosed with celiacs. And so mm -hmm. it was like, you gotta be kind of careful. Um, that being said, I'm going to give a big shout out to my boy Wagner who owns the restaurant directly next door to the gym because he does have a super healthy, like super good, uh, gluten-free menu. He's really good about cross-contamination and allergen friendly. Um, and he, he has this place that's called Alma Caribbean Fusion and it's like a Caribbean food type thing. Uh, again, fusion. So there's a lot of influence from other places in there. Um, mostly tapas style, high end, but like really, really fucking amazing food. If you go on their Instagram, Alma Caribbean Fusion, it's literally like looking at food porn. It's unbelievable the stuff he makes. The guy's an artist, and um, and now we've partnered up with them again. Like I was telling you earlier today, we partnered up with them for all our members, so they can actually get like a discount on you know um, basically lunch subscriptions. So they get like five lunches each week, you know, for a certain amount. They can come pick them up fresh. Um, healthy macro friendly lunches that, you know, I've helped them design, uh, but like actually good because a really, really, really talented chef made them, you know, as opposed nice. to you boiling some chicken over broccoli or whatever. Yeah, I know. Like that's honestly, like, I think that might be the biggest struggle is like the food game, man. Like luckily it's warm enough where I can pop the grill out, but like the food game is a grind. The food game. Yeah. And I've just found myself eating nothing but like Italian food. The quarantine 50 is, or 15, I should say the quarantine 15 is very real. Uh, I don't know. What's the quarantine 15? It's like the freshman 15, but it's cause your ass is locked in. Your oh, oh, gotcha. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fucking, no, you're, you're not kidding, man. Jesus, dude. We, I did like, 
So I made like gluten free. This is going to probably sound gross to anybody else, but like, I obviously I can't eat gluten and I don't like ricotta cheese, but we were shopping not that long ago and Liz found gluten free lasagna noodles. So I was like, all right, tell you what, I'll make a, I'll make a ricotta free, you know, lasagna which is basically just fucking you know baked ziti i guess or something like that right like <laughs> layers of it's just like meat sauce so- i'm now i make my own like i want to i want to be clear here i make my own homemade from scratch sauce and it's fucking good man like i'm not italian but like people would be surprised that i'm not when they have my sauce it's really good um but i made that this big tray of lasagna and like Dude, I mean, after the first day, I swear I'm like five pounds off. Like, I don't blame. I don't really like ricotta cheese a whole lot face, either. You know? Ricotta yeah, cheese great. is like. Let's be honest. It's the ricotta and feta, like situational at best. But I don't fuck with either of those. No, I'm not a fan of soft, like soft cheeses like that. Anything. No, it depends no, on what it is. They have such unique flavors. But if you can go light on the ricotta and lasagna and just load up on like mozzarella and shit, like. Yeah, okay. And you got good yeah. sauce. You won't yeah. even taste the pasta if it's gluten-free or like lentil-based. Well, the gluten-free pasta nowadays is actually pretty good. But like, yeah, I don't uh, I don't fuck with – like honestly, any cheeses. Like I, I like the most bland, boring shit. Cheddar, you know, American cheese, mozzarella. I mean, any, like blue cheese, no thanks. Feta, no thanks. Ricotta, any goat cheeses, not my deal. No thanks. The power of moments is not on my Libby. Um, so I'll have to figure that out. Dude, are you on Audible? Uh, my wife is. I'm not. If you set up an Audible account, I can send you it for free. Oh, okay. Let me do that. Yeah. I'll get to you. I got you, dude. Because you've, you've never taken, like, if you set one up and you've never taken, you've never received a book from anybody else, I can be the first person to send it to you. Oh. I'll have to check go, it out. Okay. I got you, dude. I got you covered, brother. This is tough times. We out here hacking. Um, <laughs> we got to do what we got to do, man. All right, Rob Aguero Hoffman. That's all I got for you, homie. I really appreciate you uh, jumping on for round three, which should be round four. So I guess we'll just have to make up and do round four like next week or something. That sounds good to me. Oh, brother. Tuesday. No, Tuesday yeah. will be round, like a, 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 a we, technical we, round four. Are we going to actually – so I didn't know whether we were like promoting this for everybody or not. I mean, I have no idea in. what order these pods are going to get up. Um, okay. it might just be like a san, like just for sanity purposes, but yeah, Tuesday night we'll do a, a fucking round table and it's going to be just All right, this Tuesday night is going to be fire. This is oh. going to be this Tuesday night one is going to be fire. I know yeah. what's coming. Um, y'all are in for a treat, man. This is going to be a lot of fun for round anybody. Table. Yeah. Yeah. The nights of the round table. <laughs> That's what I'd call it. Hell yeah. Awesome. You got to make sure you hit up everybody else though and make sure that they're in on this. I will. Too. I'll be talking to and Kate Alvarez need... today. I'll let them know. All right. If you need me to get on anybody else and like make sure I sure up the fact that they'll be there, Dolan, whoever, you just tell me, okay? I'll let you know. All right, homie. All Thank right, you brother. so much for coming on. For sure, man. Later, dude.